on the telephone on the Dr. Glatt Regoria Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is Tim O'Keefe. Follow him at Tay O'Keefe 1992. We call him uh, TKO or Tay O'Keefe with the TKO. And I was TKO'd when I saw the Flyers give up that last goal in the first period for Aton to lose. But of course, the first thing that Tim asks me is what'd you ask me during the break, Tim? Uh, so, John, my, my initial gut reaction is, is Carter Hart actually our future goaltender, or is this like a false promise that we had this big buildup and the Flyers still haven't had a goalie for two decades? See, I I cannot go as far as, and I'm one, I will fully admit, I was one that held on to Carson Wentz as long as I could, and I, I mean, still, I, I even do it to this day. So, I hang on to that, but... I think that's for a reason. There's not many times you do get players that have the kind of uh, a pedigree or at least the, the the prodigy symbol thrown around on him. I mean, the last time we heard it was really for guys like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and thankfully the Sixers stuck with it, right? Because the Sixers were about to let it go. And if they did, then they don't have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons playing the way they are now and in contention for uh, the Eastern Conference and possibly the NBA Finals. So I... I would say no. Like, I, I'm not completely giving up on Carter Hart yet. Is he maybe just done for this season and he's never going to pick it up this season? I think that's a possibility, but I will give him every chance possible the next season to get back on track. Is that fair? Uh, that, that's pretty much where I'm at. I think we're aligned here. I guess my thing is, like, there's, there's nowhere to really go, right? Like, I think we've invested so much in this kid that we need to give him the shot. And I also don't want to make it sound like he can't recover. He can. The problem is, it's right now, he's, he's our future guy. And yet, when he's out on the ice, I have a bad gut feeling that I'd rather have the other guy in there to give this team a better chance to win. And that's not something you really want in your young, up-and-coming star on the Flyers. It's something to keep an eye on, but it's, it's, it's rough right now. The kid just, he just doesn't have it this year. Yeah, he doesn't, and I think that's what you can chalk it up as. Now, it's a little bit different with Carter Hart because the comparisons easily for every Philadelphia fan goes straight to Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz was in his fifth season. Yeah. Like, this kid's young, very young. He's 22 years old. I mean, he's he's four years younger than me, uh, which is crazy to think about. Like This kid is really young, and so I think it's worth taking your time with him. With Carson Wentz, I mean, you could say they took their time with him. They waited for five years until the end of his, well, it would have been the end of his rookie contract. They obviously gave him an extension, but you waited yep. all of those years, and after the fifth year, he gave you that kind of performance. I'm okay with you moving on from him. I don't think they should have, or you know, whatever my thoughts on it may be, it doesn't really matter. You gave him five years. It's okay to let a quarterback like that playing the way he did go. With Carter Hart, it's different. He's 22. Like the kid, the kid has a legit shot of bouncing back from this, and all likelihood probably will. And I think that's also a fair thing to say is that I, I do think that he likely comes out of this and he does end up being fine. So my gut is aligned with you there. I think hopefully this time next year or two years from now, we're saying, all right, we got a good goaltender back in there. I, the only thing I would say probably is starting to make me feel is that's a fair, I'm starting to question whether that's a fair word or not. My gut is with you. I'm starting to wonder if probably is now in question. But obviously that's something that's going to play out over the next couple of years. And I'm going to keep watching the Flyers. I'm going to keep watching them let up heartbreaking goals and ruining uh, Aton tonight. But that's just what's going to happen. <laughs> that did absolutely ruin Aton's night. 
Um, yeah, that was fantastic. And I'm, I'm just seeing the reactions to it now in our Slack chat, in our, on our social media pages again at Fox PHL Gambler. Oh boy, was that, uh, was that a ton of fun. So let's move away from the Flyers a little bit though. And again, we're talking with Tim O'Keefe on the Dr. Larry Gurrier hairline. Follow him at T O'Keefe, K E E F E 1992. And I actually want to get into, um, I want to get into some MLB futures. How, first of all, how prepared are you for Major League Baseball? Because I think we can both be open here, and if this is the case for you, it is for me, and say, this is sneaking up on me, because this is absolutely sneaking up on me. Oh, John, it is, it's a great sneaking up on us, but I 100% agree. It's like I've been, everyone's been entrenched in the March Madness because we didn't have that last year. So um, I was locked in on that, watching all those games the last couple weekends, or last weekend, and I was watching the conference tournaments before that. And now it's like, wait, we are single-digit days away from opening day. We got Phillies Braves coming up next Thursday. I'll be honest, I'm ecstatic. I haven't been to a baseball game in a couple – and obviously last year wasn't at a baseball game, so it's been two years. I am going to opening day. I could not be more pumped. It's the best feeling in the world. I can't wait to be back in that ballpark. And I can't wait for baseball to be back, John. I know we've talked NBA on this. Uh, I talked NBA with you last week. Which you do very well, by the way, and we'll be doing that tonight, too. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I'm a baseball guy. Like I play, that was the sport I played growing up. That's just, that's my passion. Like I love baseball. That's where my heart will always lie, and I could not be more excited. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna you know wait to to go here because I, I think that would be bearing the lead. I think for me a little bit because I, I think the one thing that stood out to me. I'm, I'm doing my first initial deep dive going into uh, player acquisitions. You know what what teams looked like last year, how they could look this season, all of that. Making my first real deep dive, and Tim, I have to be honest with you, I truly believe that the Braves are not just as good as the Dodgers. Like, that's going too far, I, and I completely understand that. But I am giving them a chance, like I did last year, again, to possibly take them down and to take the NL crown. Where are you at with the Braves? Uh, because I just think from top to bottom, this is just a, almost a flawless team. So um, we're, we're aligning, and I know this is a little scary after last week when we both aligned on Michigan State, so now I'm worried that this is a bad sign. But I'm with you. I have the Braves as the second-best team in the NL. I was actually – I saw your tweets earlier. I, checked, I was like, all right, let's do this extra deep dive because I know he's going to want to talk some Braves. And I'm looking at this lineup. They have three guys that, to me, almost seem like a lock, and they always – like a lock, people get hurt, and we'll see what happens. But a lock, if they're healthy, to hit 30 home runs, and Acuna, Freeman, and Ozuna. And they got another two that could do it in Austin Riley and Ozzy Albee. There's a chance that five guys on that team hit 30 home runs. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But that's a really powerful Right, that's the potential, though. That that really is the potential of what they could do. Yep, exactly. And then on the pitching side, look, Max Fried was an absolute stud last year. Ian Anderson, who I love coming up, he's a younger guy, pitched very well last year towards the end of the season and in the playoffs for them. They got young talent all across the board, and they got they got experienced talent also elsewhere. It's it's a great team. I'm with you. I, I still have to have them behind the Dodgers. The Dodgers are just – they've been the class of the NL, as much as I hate to say it, for the last like five, six years. I still have them higher, but the Braves are right there in my mind. I'm with you. Yeah, and really what kind of made it all for me and put it into perspective is looking at that fifth spot. Because that's what what killed the Braves last year. We talk about the Phillies' bullpen not being great, and they were in the bottom of the league last year in bullpen. The Braves had the worst. It was, it was 
part of the bottom. I think they were the second or third worst starting rotation in terms of ERA. But they were in the bottom yeah. of baseball in terms of starting rotation. And with the additions that they have, with how healthy they are coming into this season with Freed, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, who was electric during the playoffs, and signing a solid pitcher in Charlie Morton, in that fifth spot, they're having a competition. And Drew Smiley is obviously part of that competition. But young pitchers in Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, Oscar Inoa, and Tuki Toussaint. Some of those guys had problems last year, but I think I can chalk it up to, I think they were just rookies that weren't really ready for that. The the Braves weren't ready to have Mike Soroka go down and rely on some of these guys, but if Wilson, Wright, or Toussaint get it together, I mean, they have one through five, I think a top five rotation in baseball. I mean, and, and I know I'm saying that, as that being a significant jump. Do you think they can make that kind of significant leap from being a bottom rotation in baseball now to a top 10? So it's a great question. Can they? Yes. Are you going to make me say that they, if you're making me call it, will they? Probably not, but I, they're, I think they're top half at least, which is still a significant jump. Like you mentioned, the arm talent is there. Like even the guys that struggled last year, like Soroka, Soroka going down, Kyle Wright is he was a third I believe he was the third or he was a top five pick a few years back. He has so much arm talent. The guy really does. He can throw, he has great movement. He's had some just accuracy problems and then he, he kind of lets the big inning happen on him where he has such the, the snowball effect. All right, that guy got on. Maybe he was even on an error. I remember watching some of these innings last year. He lets the guy has an error and then all of a sudden he just can't get it back. He's letting up hit after hit. But when he's good, he's really good. And I think that actually he played well in the playoffs, if I remember too. Uh, before the last game when I think they were eliminated, I think he struggled. But he had a couple of great starts down the stretch for them. And also, the other thing that I think it kind of gets lost is that you're right, they have that Charlie Morton signing. They were counting on uh, former Philly great Cole Hamels going into last game. <laughs> yes, season, they if were. I, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and Cole, uh, Cole tried to help out the Phillies one last time by just giving them nothing. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough for the Phillies to get up there. But if they just have some health there, they're going to be a drastically improved. You're right. They were bottom five, I think, in both in terms of starting rotation last year. I expect them to be top half, at least. And that's, look, that's obviously very close to top 10, like you mentioned. Right, exactly. We're talking with Tim O'Keefe. Follow him at T O Keefe, K E E F E 1992 on Twitter. And. While the Braves, they, I think they make a significant jump in terms of starting rotation. Uh, I think the Phillies, if you look at them, staying with the NL East and staying with the hometown team in Philadelphia, uh, I, I think you can expect a leap forward uh, with their bullpen. I'm going to start here because I have a follow-up question after this, but I'll start here with the Phillies. How good do you think this bullpen is, or how much of an improvement do you think it is over last year? Well... When we're talking improvement over historically bad, uh, the, the, it's very easy to improve. And know what? They've done a good job of it. They brought in Archie Bradley, Jose Alvarado, some other name that's looking great in spring. They have, they've gotten a lot better. I know. I hopefully never have to see Tommy Hunter again. I, I, I don't know. That was, I know there was worse guys. That was always the guy that, like, it seemed like some people were able to get behind him. And I was like, every time he came in, I had a pit in my stomach. And I, I really hope I don't have to see him much again um, <laughs> with these other names. At least, at least in clutch spots. I, I, I'm done with Tommy Hunter. Yeah, um, what was you know what? We'll go there a little bit. What was the pitcher that when you saw go in? Wh- this could be Tommy Hunter, but when you saw go in and you would get that pit in your stomach, like, oh no, this is happening. Like you would just get that bad feeling. Who was the one that did it for you and almost make you like turn off the television? So, so it varied throughout times of the year. Again, I, I told you, I just went on my little Tommy Hunter rant. That was that was the main one, my gut answer. 
Uh, if I'm going back, it was also this guy stats wise, he was better than this, but I never felt comfortable with Adam Morgan. I don't know what it was. There was just something there that it just never felt right to me when he was coming in. I felt like something's going to go wrong. And to his credit, he actually had some stretches where he was decent and proved me wrong. But that, that was my other guy. So those two for me, Tommy Hunter, Adam Morgan, are the guts. And I know there's, a, there's the beauty of last year, or actually, that, 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 I should not say beauty. That, there's no way that word could be applied to that whole thing. <laughs> but you can name a bunch of different guys that meet that criteria. Who was yours? It was, and so there is a specific story and why I mentioned this. Uh, I was at a, it was a couple of years ago, so it wasn't the 2020 season, but it's still part of the bullpen, and they had bullpen problems for the past two years. And when I was at a Nationals game, I was sitting center field, it was like 100 degrees, so I already was cranky, they were losing, not playing well, and so I went to my nephew, went to the game with me, and I said, look, if they put this pitcher in next, I'm leaving. And so we get by another inning, and so in comes, uh, I think it was Gabe Kapler at the time, I think it might have been Gabe Kapler a couple of years ago, I can't remember, timelines, Philly suck. Uh, and so they brought, I just see the left arm go up, and I'm like, oh, they're bringing him in, they're going to do it, and in comes Cole Irvin. And I immediately, like, I'm, I'm not telling you, they didn't even finish saying Cole Irvin's name before I left that stadium in Washington. I was completely gone. I booked it. And I got Washington National fans laughed at me the entire way up, uh, and I didn't really care. I was like, I'm not watching it. Like, this is the one. This is the pit in my stomach. Like, it's going to get much worse than this. And guess what, Tim? It got much worse. So that was mine. Uh, but I don't. I hopefully don't think we're going to see much of that, hopefully, from the Phillies bullpen this season, right? I, I hope so. Well, And also, <laughs> it's like Cole Irvin, I think, is the prime example of you might have to be able to throw over 90 miles an hour somewhere consistently <laughs> to actually pitch in the major list. I think that might be the best example. That should be a requirement, yes. <laughs> so the bullpen should improve. But my follow-up to that is, is everything else going to stay the same? Because I think when talking about the Phillies, it's, all right, well, things were good last year. Their starting rotation was actually really good. Their lineup was, I would say, top five, if not top seven in baseball. They were very good. Yep. And now they have finally a bullpen. But... Does that equate to more wins? Is there things that can go wrong with the lineup? Or do you not like where the starting rotation's at? Because I think it's just assumed that things are going to be the same with the lineup and starting rotation, and now you have the bullpen better, so they're going to be better. I don't know if I'm there yet. Is that what you're thinking with the Phils? Uh Basically, your thoughts on the starting rotation and lineup, because that's obviously what I'm paying attention to now most with the improvement of the bullpen. Sure. So I'll start with the easy one. The lineup, I actually trust the lineup. I think it's from top to bottom a very solid squad. It's, there's more proven people there for me that have had success over a longer term. But Bryce, JT, we already know. Didi's been doing it for a while, and I trust Didi to stay up there. Gene Segura's been in the league for a while and has it, it, played well. And there's other names. I trust the other guys to kind of step up and fill the other roles. I feel pretty good with the lineup. Now we go to the rotation. This is where that optimism that you're saying that you hear from people I don't feel quite as good. I One and two, I'm great. I'm feeling good with Nola and Wheeler. The Zach Eflin love, and this, I don't want to come off as a Zach Eflin hater. I'm really not. It's just everyone seems sold that he is a number three and like he's the guy I feel comfortable with in there. Eflin to me is a, he's definitely an MLB starting pitcher. I, I see him more as a high five, low four guy. Um, and I'm talking about pitching slots, sorry, not ERA. Just like where he belongs in a good rotation. 
And I'm not sold that he's going to keep living up to the way he did last year. He pitched well last year. I'm just still not buying that that's going to hold up over a whole season and that he has the arm talent to really do it. Matt Moore, Matt Moore was, a, I think he's an all-star in 2013. And then, like, you know, oh, the Phillies got a former all-star. Like, that's always like <laughs> the, oh, they got somebody. So let's put that on there. Matt Moore was a disaster for his last, like, two or three years in the majors. And then he went to Japan, and he pitched great in Japan. I, I don't want to equate that he's going to play that well here. I am not trusting Matt Moore whatsoever. I'm actually – and I, he's pitching well in spring, and that's why they brought him in, him and Chase Anderson, who I'm going to loop in the same uh, bucket here, where they're, like, they're journeymen who I, I just don't really trust. They're taking the spot away from Spencer Howard. I would have rather seen Howard just – hey, let's keep rolling with him. Could you have some bumps? Yes. The problem is I think the other guys are going to have bumps and they're not really progressing Howard to getting where he doesn't have bumps. I think the other two would just are what they are. Again, John, I'm a diehard Phillies fan. I hope I'm wrong there, but I, the rotation scares me with those last three. I can, no, I completely agree with you, and I might as well just go with the potential in Spencer Howard and live with, I think like you said, live with the growing pains if they're there. But I think if you look at what the Braves are going to do, they had guys who went through the growing pains last year because they had to. Yep. And now I, I think with that under their belt, they're all starting to look really good in spring training. And so Spencer Howard doing the same thing, looking really good spring training, I think went through all the bumps and bruises that you're going to take as a first-time Major League Baseball player. And you have to give him a shot, especially with the potential that he has. So with that being said, and I do agree, the starting rotation problems concern me a lot. The Phillies total sits at 80.5 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, I have seen a couple of people in my mentions, because this the, the Phillies came up today, and the entire thing is that people are actually really hyped up about the Phillies. I've seen 90-plus wins, 92 wins. They're going to win the NL East. I mean, eighty. Let's let's stick with eighty and a half. Are they going to at least go over that number? I do like that over. Honestly, the bullpen was just such a disaster last year that, and I know last year it's a shortened season, so we got to elongate that out. But I I think they're an above five hundred squad. Am I feeling? I'm not saying ninety. I'm my gut is probably an eighty three, eighty four win. So I'm feeling. I would take the over eighty and a half. That's my gut. Yeah, I would take it as well. Eighty and a half is a number I, I I do like, but I think that where I go, uh, where I think the the line is crossed, is when you say at least. I think the Phillies go over eighty and a half. I think they sneak into a wild card spot. That is all perfectly reasonable. But I actually, out of all the favorites I see here for the division winner, I mean, you you have to get the Yankees. You have to lay minus two hundred on them, or you have to take the White Sox at minus one thirty. Which I actually think the Twins are a lot closer than people think. The Dodgers, you don't get any value on. The Astros at plus one twenty five, but the Astros stink. The Cardinals at plus one hundred five, they are better, but are they really that much better than the Braves? So when I see or they're that much better than the Brewers. So when I see the Braves in the NL East odds at plus 120, I actually think because of how good that team is and you're actually getting plus money, I think that might be the best value you're getting on a favorite right now heading into the season. So, John, I, I think I agree with you there, especially with looking at the NL East. The Mets are the other name that's right up there. So you see the Braves at plus 120, Mets at plus 140. The Mets brought in Lindor. They've made a couple. They've made some nice moves in the offseason. I think the Mets probably make the playoffs, but I have them as a wild card. The Braves always went over. The Braves are the class of the division. The Mets are a much improved team. And now let's getting back to where the Phillies stand. It's sadly it hurts to say. It. Vegas has them at or Vegas and by Vegas I mean DraftKings has them at plus eight seventy five, so almost nine to one to win the division. Look, nine to one anything is a long shot, and I think that's. We gotta kind of set ourselves with realistic expectations here. 
Well, they are this fourth favorite in the division right now. I, I'm struggling to see how they're getting past the Braves. I think they could. the team that's ahead of them in the division that, right now that they have is the Nationals at plus 600. I think they beat the Nationals. Obviously, we could talk yeah, about I agree. I don't like yep. the Nationals. But, but I, I, think, I think if you're making the call, they finished third in the division. And the Braves, the Braves are just too, too high class of it. You know, like, obviously, I'm not going to – if any Phillies fans out there want to throw 10 bucks on them at 9-1, to one, by all means, feel free. Have fun with the season. But I, I don't see that bet panning out. No, I don't either. If I'm talking maybe value, I think the Mets are way overvalued. And I'm only saying that as in I think they're just a year away. They're they're just starting now to put together this really great lineup and roster, but it's going to take a little bit of time. I don't think they're going to set out like Steve Cohen said, their their new owner, they're going to be the Dodgers of the East. Well, you don't just do that one off season. They have done pretty well this offseason. It's going to take a little bit of time, though. So I'm going to wait on the Mets, and I'll I'll buy in on them next season when everybody may be a little bit low on them, so I'll buy lower than where they are now. But in terms of value, I, I do think the Phillies at plus 875, that is some value that I at least get with the Phillies, and you're right. If you want to sprinkle a little bit on it, that's okay. Uh, another division that I think is interesting at the top, or that I, I and the Braves isn't really interesting because I think they're the much better team, but the a team that people think are much better is in the AL Central and the White Sox. They're minus 130. They have a starting rotation problem, too. I don't think it's that solid. Are we forgetting about the Twins? Or I know they've lost a few pieces. Or are the Twins right where they're at at plus 150? That's where they should be, and they should be behind the White Sox. John, I'm starting to wonder if you somehow got access to my cheat sheet. I have, <laughs> no, um, you stole my cheat sheet. Yeah. I have some, I have some twins love here. Like the twins have won the division back to back years, and they they look obviously they had their they've had their struggles in the playoffs for a long time, but they've been a very solid regular season team for the last five years, making the playoffs three times. They're a proven commodity. The numbers at eighty eight and a half for the twins. I like that over, especially when the division besides those two teams we have talked about is kind of hot garbage. We got Detroit, Kansas City, <laughs> who I expect to be. Under 65 wins each, or at least around 65 wins each uh, for each of those teams. Cleveland still projected, according to their number, at 80 and a half. I, I don't like Cleveland. Oh, I, I'm taking the under there. Yeah, see, they lost Lindor. They're a team that I expect to be any pieces that they do have left be selling at the deadline. They're, yep. they're, look, base, baseball, we know that inequality where the small market teams have to sell their pieces just to get some young prospects enough open future. Cleveland kind of had their run where they made that World Series a couple years ago, and ever since they've been selling off pieces, and Lindor was kind of the last of that. They're just I expect them to sell even more come deadline time, and I think they're going to be a bad team. The White Sox, getting back to them, I agree with you. Their rotation, there's some questions there as well. They're relying on guys like Dylan Cease and some other young arms to really bounce back. And to be fair, I want to give credit. Cease does have the arm talent. He can, he can get it up there. I think I saw he was throwing uh, like 97. Yeah, he, he throws high heat. 90s. Yeah, he has some heat. Yeah. So he can throw. Uh, but he, need, he had some control problems last year, and it didn't, nothing really clicked. So they need guys like him to bounce back. They also then have some older arms. I think they have Lance Lynn out there who – Lance Lynn has reinvented himself. I need to give him credit. It's, he was like a journeyman pitcher for a while. And look, this is kind of, I guess, what the Phillies are hoping for out of a Matt Moore or a Chase Anderson. But all of a sudden, Lance Lynn turned it up, and now he's in the Cy Young talks. Like, look, he's not a favorite. I think I believe he's like top 10 or top 15, though. So he can pitch. Now, I don't know if that's going to hold up and if those other young arms are going to get it there for him. I also question with the White Sox. They have a, they, and this is for the future, I love them. But 
for this year, they have a bunch of still young hitters and guys coming into their second and third year, like Luis Roberts this is going to be his second year, Eloy Jimenez second or uh, third year, Yoel Moncada third year, and they're younger guys that they've started off pretty good. I could see some regression though because things, you know, over time you see that sophomore slump. I don't know how the COVID year last year, 60 games, is going to impact the sophomore slump if that would have had it, or if it's now going to come into play over a full season. I look the White Sox. I think are going to be in contention, obviously, for that division because I think they'll be the only other team in it. But I like the Twins. Give me the plus money at plus one fifty. I love it. We're on the same page. This is good. We got to do this more often. I like I like when people agree with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Tim O'Keefe on the Doctor Glad Regrow Your Hairline on the Line Change Fox Sports the Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance. You can follow Tim at T O Keefe K E E F E nineteen ninety two. And Tim, I want to go into some player awards now because I've been showing a lot of love to the Braves. And one of the other reasons why is because Ronald Acuna Jr., he had a little bit of bad luck last season. His Babbitt dropped down a little bit, which means his average did, but he ended up having his highest OPS he has in his entire career. And he would have cracked, I think, the 1,000 mark if he would have had a little bit better luck. If that luck changes this season... I think Ronald Acuna could end up winning the NL MVP, and I love him at plus 850, but the one name I cannot get off of is Juan Soto. I'm, I mean, is, is this guy, this guy's, the, to me, one of the best hitters, maybe the best hitter in baseball. Is this his award to lose? What about the NL MVP do you like? Uh, to me, it's either Soto or Acuna, and I'm obviously leaning heavily Juan Soto. So I also love Soto there. Soto's He's really like a somewhat hidden talent. I know everyone talks about how no one gets to see Mike Trout, but everyone knows who Mike Trout is. And I look, I'm talking about the casual baseball fan here. So a lot of the casual fans might not know Juan Soto yet, but man, that guy, he can really play. He is a superstar. He's a stud. I think his only problem to win the MVP is I don't buying the Nationals being in the playoff race. I think that team's going to struggle this year. And since there's no bats to protect Soto in that lineup, I'm scared he could get walked a decent amount. So that's my only concern with Soto. Again, the guy's an absolute stud. I agree with you. And I, I, I'm not saying I dislike the pick. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, and that's the right, only yeah. thing I would watch out for with it. Yep. So some other names that I like out there, I, I'm looking, uh, some of our top candidates, I'm looking to list now, we have a lot of guys with overlapping teams. And I think that's one of the tougher ways to win. Now, last year we did have it where you had Acuna and Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman took home an LNDP. But some of our other top favorites, you got Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger, both Dodgers, Acuna and Freeman, both Braves. And it's, I think it's tougher for those guys to win. Obviously, it can happen, but I think those guys that single-handedly carry their team's success are some of the guys that are really going to carry it that, or that have maybe a little extra bump come the end of the season. A guy that I'm eyeing up, and it's going to sound a little odd because I know he's leaving Hitter's Paradise in Colorado. Nolan Arenado. Oh, you're doing so, it. You're going for it. I, I'm going for it. I got Arenado at 12 to 1. And I think he, look, Paul Goldschmidt's there to help, like, give a little more offensive support there. But Arenado's the guy in St. Louis now. Like, that's his town. He's the best hitter there. And I'm expect, I expect the Cardinals to win that division because, really, I, I agree the Brewers are kind of, you know, kind of close. I really like the Cardinals. I think, actually, going back to the division talk for a second, the Braves are a great play. The Cardinals are my other play. It's like those top two. I really like to win their division. I think you're getting you're getting plus money on both, and I like that value. And yeah. Arenado, I I am buying into that guy having a really solid season now that he can get into a playoff race because he really hasn't had that chance in Colorado. And I think the guy's a gamer, and I think we're going to see it step up this season. 
Yeah, and this is, I, I think, a little bit of a buy-low pick because after his rookie season, there was a ton of hype going into the 2020 year, and he just didn't play well. But he's hitting the ball well in spring training. He's obviously got the pop in his bat. Pete Alonso, a plus 3,300, is he a good buy-low spot, or is that going too far deep down? Especially, like you said, I mean, there are some really good players at the top, and uh, it's going to be hard to maybe crack that, especially Arenado, like you just said. But is Pete Alonso in a good buy-low spot? I, I think he is, but how many guys can you realistically look at and feel not confident that they're going to hit 50 home runs, but feel confident? Think that they actually guys? can, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Pete Alonso is one of those guys. He can really smack the ball, and if he gets hot at the right time for a good chunk of the season, he can absolutely be there. Look, I know we just said we don't we think the Mets are a little bit away, but I think they could sneak into the wild card. And look, it, it pains me to say that because I know in Philly, like everyone hates the Cowboys. That's that number one hated team. For me, it's the Mets. I can I hate the Mets more than the Cowboys. I I cannot stand the Mets, and there's just something like my blood boils whenever I have to say that name. But <laughs> it's P- Pete Alonso's good value. I can't argue that. Thirty three to one for a guy who in his last full season hit as many home runs as he did. There, it's good value there. I actually like him over Lindor's at twelve to one for the Mets. I think Alonso's the better play there for, by far for the Mets. Yeah, you know what? Last one here for you. We'll stick with the NL, and we'll do AL next week and maybe go over some picks. I'm sure we'll see some lines out. Uh, definitely going to have you next on next week to talk some baseball. Uh, we're going to make this a weekly thing. This is going to be great. Uh, so let's go to NL Cy Young, and we'll go over AL next week. NL Cy Young, Jacob deGrom leading the way, plus 425. Trevor Bauer, who won last season, plus 700. And, of course, Walker Buehler there, plus 1,000. Max Scherzer, plus 950. Uh, where are we going with NL Cy Young? Max Freed, who uh, was made his way up there and was very close to winning plus 1,700. Uh, where are you looking for NL Cy Young? Sure. So for NL Cy Young, a guy that uh, has done it before, and he's no longer the favorite on his own team, but he was a, He had a great year last year. I'm, you know, if he can stay healthy and keep going, Clayton Kershaw at 20-1 to 1 is honestly intriguing to me. He's had that bounce back. There was like a little bit of a – pickup in his career where he wasn't elite Clayton anymore. And he has found a way to get it back again. Do I expect him to win it? Probably not. He's a 20 to one, but if you're giving me a guy that has done it multiple times on a team, that's going to get a ton of wins. I'm not Kershaw at 20 to one is intriguing to me. I think that's a, that's a decent play. Yeah, I think that is a decent play. Mike Soroka, it's it's funny to see a lot of Braves pitchers up here. Morton plus 2,200, Mike Soroka plus 3,000, and of course Max Freed at plus 1,700. Uh, is it, though, I mean, when, when we get kind of down to it, when it's all said and done, it's it's weird to see Blake Snell up there a little bit, plus 1,200, you Darvish plus 1,200, but I mean, is this, at the end of the day, just maybe going to be DeGrom, Bauer, Scherzer, or Bueller? I, the Cy Young, you know, Andrew, you can get guys that just get hot for a season pitching-wise. I I think it's probably, look, DeGrom's the class of the class of the NL pitching wise. I'm not betting against him. If that's what I'm, if, if I could say that properly, like he's going to have a great season. Do I could see these other guys though, creep up into the conversation. The guy in that list that he actually just said that I don't like, I'm not buying into Max Scherzer this season. I, I know he seems to defy father time for now, but I think one thing that's going to be interesting to watch this season for across all pitchers, but especially some of our older pitchers are nobody last year did their standard 30 starts trying to get to 200 innings. Everyone was cut short. I think we're going to see pitchers that are older really kind of struggle to build it back up. All right, now i got to go make 30 starts again. So I'm expecting some injuries there. I don't like Scherzer out of that group. 
Really, I don't even love Bauer at 7-1. Obviously, he was great last year, an absolute stud in Cincinnati. Don't have a great vibe that he's going to be able to keep all that up with the transition to L.A. He will get wins. I don't want to say he won't. Like the, the answer is your question. DeGrom would still be my favorite. Out of those four, I would still take DeGrom because now the Mets have a little more offense and he could actually have a nice win total. But I certainly think there can be other guys that sneak up into this conversation. What about Aaron Nola? Uh, it's a couple of years ago, looked like a Cy Young, and last year, yeah, all right. It's it's just been it's a been a little bit. I have to say roller coaster because the lows haven't been that low. But I don't think we've seen dominant ace Aaron Nola uh, in a little while. Is he at plus twelve hundred? Is that is that odds that you like? Uh, anything with Aaron Nola there in terms of an El Cy Young? Sure. So honestly, I'm gonna look at and when I see that twelve hundred number. If you would ask me to, like, hey, Tim, just go project it out, and obviously the, the books have way more data than I have, and they're looking at it even closer than we can. I would have had Nola around, like, where the free number is, around where Kershaw is. Like, I, I would have thought those guys maybe even are higher up than him. So the fact that he's up this high makes me take another look at that number. I think it's kind of going back to if the Phillies have success, that means Nola's probably having success, and he might have – if he's the best pitcher on that team, there's a chance it can work – I. I don't really see it. Again, I haven't seen the consistency enough in a couple of years. I don't love him at that number. But the, the fact that DraftKings has him there, it makes me at least double-check double, double check and make sure I'm not missing something. Tim, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that You know what? I actually am feeling baseball now. Like I haven't had the itch yet. I have the itch. That was great. Uh, we'll do it again next week. And I'm sure throughout the season because, uh, well, I like talking baseball and uh, you're very fun to talk baseball with. So we'll do it next week. Thanks for joining me tonight, though. John, that was a blast. I, anytime you want to talk baseball on or off the air, let me know. I will always talk baseball. So let's do it again. Uh, that's it. That sounds like the beginning of a friendship, let me tell you. At T O Keefe, K E E F E, 1992. You can find him on Twitter.